We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome into the SoRare Andrews podcast brought to you by Rotowire and sponsored by SoRare. I am Andrew Laird. You can find me at Lairdino on SoRare. Joined as always by Andy Black, who is black on SoRare. And today, very special guest, a guy that Andy and I have been talking about behind his back for a very long time. <laughs> John Nellis. John, you have your own podcast. It's one of the first ones I listen to every week, although I say that and I'm like episodes behind because... Just the way my schedule is. You but don't I listen to many podcasts. Just so you know, John, I'm not any episodes behind. I'm caught up. Oh, all right. Oh, thanks, yeah. Black. You're the man. You're my favorite. Now you're my favorite, Andy. Larry, oh. you're catching up to do. So, but seriously, like I was listening to the one you did with uh, Quinny yesterday or sometime earlier this week. And I feel like it was like the third episode that I had listened to where I was like, I wanted to talk about it, but like I'm listening to a podcast. I can't talk to you. And I was like, wait <laughs> yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. There is a way I can talk to John. And so I DM'd you in the middle of the night. Somehow you were awake and you were game. So thank you very much for coming on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I was just saying to you before we went on air, like I listen to the show every week. So it's kind of funny because like I'm a podcaster, but like you're like one of my favorite podcasts. So now I'm like, oh my God, I know these guys, but I don't know, like like you say, you're caught up and it's a weird thing with podcasts. You kind of have this relationship with the people you're listening to every week where you feel you know them. So I kind of feel like I know you. You might kind of feel like you know me, but really we don't know each other. So it's really funny. <laughs> That's a really bizarre description, but I 100% feel the that same way. Yeah. So, yeah, I turn out lots of sort of substandard content on a weekly basis. And yeah, here we are. <laughs> Let, let's go. My favorite was I was watching your... Uh award reveal from this week <laughs> with the Tyler Miller and the, the immediate like shoulders dropping when you were like, Oh, it's an MLS card. Okay. Cause you, you don't yeah. uh, follow MLS. Like not we just do. an MLS card, an MLS goalkeeper. So right, well, th then it turned up, but then it was like, you did exactly what I do with a lot of like, well, not a lot of the European cards, like some of the European cards I get or the Asian cards I get. Cause I don't follow those leagues, but it's like, all right, let me go to Sora Data, see what this guy is all about. And then yeah. it was all of a sudden you were like, oh, all right, this yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. so bad. Oh, I'll, I'll yeah. take this. It was uh, from, the, from the low to the high very quickly. Yeah, no, it, it seems every single reward I get, I'm disappointed. I feel like I know more players than I do because I think what happens with SoRare with me is I have like on Flash Score like notifications on all the teams that I have players in. 
So they're the teams that I follow and care about. If there's a really high performer in a team that I don't follow, I probably don't even know about them because I'm not like trawling each week to see who the top scorers were. I actually don't research that much anymore because when I'm actively buying, I kind of know who I want to go. It's to complement players I already have. So like I could get a guy... I remember Nuno, Nuno Mendes, Boscagli, Gonzalo Ignacio, Tyler Miller, solid players. And every time I was like, oh, do you know? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, this is actually good. So it's like the most disappointing reward reveals ever. And everyone, I can tell everyone's at home being like, why are you not more excited, you asshole? Do you know, am I allowed to curse? Sure. Uh, we try to stay away from it, but we've already <laughs> broken the seal, I guess. Too late. Sorry. Sorry. I'm actually, I'm going to crack just- open a cold one. Goalkeepers are a weird reward. Like, I always have this sense of disappointment when I get a goalkeeper, but it's like, hey, goalkeepers are typically a pretty good reward. You know, like, um, it if they're starting, they're guaranteed, like, a like a floor price higher than pretty much most field players, I would say. I got Konstantinos uh, Lampro last week. I finished, like, five or six spots ahead of John. And so I was like... I saw the goalie and then I was like, wait a minute, that's pretty similar. I knew Tyler Miller was in tier one because I think it was all-star D3. We got those cards in, but I knew Tyler Miller was in tier one because I was looking at the tier list and I have a Tyler Miller already. And I was like, I'm going to win him again. Like, I know this is happening because Andy and I have had like this string of rewards where we get guys that we already have. Uh, That happened to me with this past week with Paxton Pomacall. Had his rare card that I way overpaid for months ago and got his limited card, which I actually sold today. Um, oh well, I, so I'm, yeah. I'm like 99% sure there's a conspiracy here where if you own the card, you're more likely to win it. So um, I think I'm going to like borrow some Mbappes and Neymars mm. before I open rewards. And I think that that's going to help me. It's funny oh, yeah. to you're like, I'd like to like loan an Mbappe. I don't want it for the game week. I actually want it after the game week, and I'll do it back to you before the game week, but right. just for the reward day. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. I, I've only had it once. I had Brendan Aronson. I got twice. So I, I think I've I think I sold his new card and kept like the rookie. But yeah, that's the only time I think it's happened to me. Could be wrong. So I'm glad you called that a rookie card because that's part one of the topics we want to talk about today the kind of collectible aspect of it. And you have this unique, well, maybe it's not that unique, unique to this podcast, at least, um, point of view of, you know, collecting physical cards and digital cards. And part of your conversation with Quinny, which is the one where I was finally like, all right, we need to get John on this podcast because I need to talk to him about this, was the discussion about Kamavinga and how Quinny Mm -hmm. gave up a bunch for his rare card and you were saying that basically in the physical card market, goal scorers are what ends up being the kind of cards that everybody wants. Mm. But you preceded that by saying that you got the Kamavinga <laughs> jersey mint and that you were never yeah. going to sell it. And so I wanted to find out which one yeah. do you think is more valuable? Like, do you think your jersey mint digital Kamavinga will actually be more valuable than any sort of cardboard Kamavinga? So... I want to preface this whole conversation with you probably have a bunch of diehard American listeners who have grown up with the hobby and sports cards and whatever else. In Europe, it's very young. Like, it's very young. Particularly, well, we don't follow basketball, baseball, American football. We follow soccer. Um, I'm calling it soccer for that global audience. But, like, 
it's such a young hobby. It's such a young sort of collectorship that I think the rules are kind of still being established. But I feel mm. like if we're talking about that world exclusively, there's almost like two things. There's definitely a million other things. Nationalities, if you're American, that adds value. There's a lot to it, but I think two of the big things are you're either a hypey player, you're a player that could become the next Ronaldo, the next Messi, the next whoever. You could become amazing. That gives you a lot of value. That gives you a lot of hype. That gives you a lot of like a high price at the time. And then the second one is the kind of vintage, the proven. So like Ronaldo and Messi's cards going for hundreds of thousands. That's like if Ronaldo breaks his leg tomorrow and never plays again, it doesn't matter to an extent. His card prices will be his card prices because of what he's already achieved. My conversation with Quinny was very much one of, in the short term, I think Camavinga. It's almost it's the same on so rare price, and it's the same on a lot of things. Um, short term, Camavinga has a lot of upside. Camavinga goes to Real Madrid. He actually looks like he slotted in really well. He got a really good all round score in their in their Champions League game there that they lost to Sheriff whoever. But um, like short term, you know, there's that upside when he gets a goal, when he scores a brace, when he scores a, a really good score, when he gets more established in the team. There's that upside. But I'm what I'm talking about like long. I'm kind of. Yeah, I'm kind of coming at it from both angles. I'm kind of shooting myself down, but also bigging up my point. But the fact is, I think long term, if we're actually looking back in 20 years, I mean, what's Tony Cruz's soccer card rookie worth? Next to nothing compared to Ronaldo's. Next to nothing compared to top goal scorers of the game. Goal scorers get the clout, but the, the kind of counterback, counterbalance to that is that it's such a young hobby that maybe over time these playmakers and iconic players that have all the assists, Kevin De Bruyne's, maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold, maybe these types of players actually do get love long-term, but short-term where the hobby's at at the minute. Kamavinga, he's a hype player. He's not a collectible player. Even though I have the jersey mint, whatever, and I'd sing that from the rooftops. I realise that in 20 years, the likelihood of Kamavinga and his play style actually being very collectible are quite low. But I don't know, how does that translate? Have either of you collected cards in any other sport in America? Like, is it predominantly big point scores in basketball or do the the guys who get lots of blocks and rebounds? I probably sound like a proper noob here, but I am. Do they get any sort of clout um, in American football? Do the I defensive think, players get anything, or is it the, I, tr- the scorers? I think the perfect correlation is a commercial that ESPN ran in the nineties. I think chicks dig the long ball, and <laughs> when you look when when you look at baseball, it's the home run hitters that those those are the cards that everybody wants, or the really dominant pitchers. But uh, beyond that, it's like, okay, like one of my favorite players growing up, Ozzie Smith, dominant shortstop, great defensive player, but and a Hall of Famer, but his his cards aren't worth what, you know, like a Barry Bonds cards are worth mm. or, uh, you know, any other home run hitter. And I would, I would equate home runs to goals. goals. Yeah, mm. I mean, baseball is definitely the biggest – uh, in terms of interest for car for physical cards, like basketball and football just aren't as popular. And I think people try, are, you know, trying to make it more popular. What's kind of interesting is John, you were saying like the European card market is kind of new, but like the soccer card market here in the States is also fairly new. I mean, we've had mm. them for a while and we had Evaldo on a few podcasts ago where he's sitting on 40,000 physical. I listened to that like a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, an astonishing number of cards of any sport, but the what's interesting is I kind of follow some people who are into the physical card market space, but, and it's the same thing. It's goal scores. Like it, it fully applies. People would rather Howland than Kamavinga. Like 
Casemiro is a great player. Nobody, nobody wants. Who gives a shit about his rookie? No, <laughs> right. That too. Well, like it's just not collectible. Well, the other weird thing that we're coming on, and I, we see it on so rare now. Like we have so rare actual rookie cards, but we also have like first year so rare cards mm. and everyone's like oh well that's so and so's rookie because that's his first card on the platform but like if the guy's been there for a few years like an original year vanakin card mm. is like it's not a rookie card he's been around a while it's actually one of these things where i i call them they're they're so rare collectibles they're not player collectibles or anything like that like i don't think the first year hans vanakin card matters as anything no. more than just like, oh, I love so rare, so I'd like to just get these old so rare things. But like, I just don't think thing. anyone knew would be like, let me pay more for that one. Mm. Do you guys disagree? I completely um, agree. Black, you probably have one, so like. So yeah, my perspective kind of is is yeah, like somebody that wants one of these things anyways wants a so rare card. Like that's the whole whole point. Like if I if I want the thing, I'm into so rare. So. Uh, if if Hans Vanaken is like the cult hero of Sorare, then yeah, there's going to be a little bit of desire for that thing. Um, but I get what you're saying, where it's just like they're only they're only important because they're on the platform. They are a platform, a quote unquote platform card is right. kind of what I would call them. And there's there's a few of those, and and Vanaken's a perfect example. But do you not think that that's a that's a short-term thing. Like, so in the now, they aren't that collectible because so rare as a... I don't even know if IP is the term, but I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. So rare as a thing isn't that proven. It hasn't been around long enough. But in five or ten years, when so rare goes hand-in-hand hand with Panini or Top, so they've died in Fanatics is a new one or whatever happens. And the first NFTs in the soccer space, not that they were, there was like Crypto Strikers or whatever else. There's other ones, but like if... Kamavinga's first ever NFT was on so rare it'll be considered the rookie do you not think at that stage then maybe there's that little bit more clout I still don't think there will be for Hans Vanagen because he's a cult hero he's not a and maybe there will always be something there from the cult hero-ness of Hans Vanagen but pick another one um Morioka pick another high scorer in a lesser known league they just aren't collectible long term bar to die hard fans of that club who grew up watching that player and loving them but even that you're, you're not going to get hundreds of them you're going to get very a handful so like long term the collectible players will be collectible the guys from other leagues who we might love on so rare won't be but what i'm getting at is like in terms of how collectible a so rare card is on so rare at the minute that's kind of the case but i kind of think and whether i'll even be here in five years who knows but in five years in 10 years if so rare becomes an established nft collectible platform dominant that is just known in the sort of footballing world at the head of fantasy gaming at that stage is it like oh my god so rare has been around 10 years that's from the first year so rare existed imagine having a first year i know it's completely different because of the time scales we're talking here but imagine having a first year the first ever tops card that was printed in baseball like this is the first ever year tops existed because it's such a recognized product i don't know how long it takes for for so rare to get there and whether it's even worth us considering to be honest with you but it's part of the conversation i think you know i, th- I think the the rookie card thing is is funny to me because i consider a first year juventus ronaldo a ronaldo rookie 
because the way the way I see it, the first card a player has on the platform is their rookie card. Is mm. is the way my my mind works. And you guys probably yeah. disagree. I don't know, but that's that's how I feel. I definitely your turn, Laird. But let me just say this: I have like whenever I'm thinking about players, it's really weird. Like if I'm talking about. Burn Leno. I'm not saying, oh, that's Burn Leno's rookie because no one gives a shit. But if I'm right. talking about, like, I have a Bubakar Kamara and I know he's a defender. He's not a goal scorer. He's probably not that collectible. But I have his jersey mint rookie card and I'd call it a rookie card, not just to pump my own price, but because he's like under 23, under 21. It's his first ever so rare card. I doubt the guy's ever had an NFT in his life. So it's kind of like, I don't know where the cutoff comes in my mind, but I wouldn't refer to. I don't even know, like pick Daniel Parejo, who I have a relationship with. I wouldn't call a card of his his rookie, even though I have his rookie jersey mint, but I wouldn't call it that. But I would call Cherky's card, which doesn't have the rookie sort of writing or whatever else. I'd call it a rookie. Do you know? It's, it's a weird one. Is there like an age cutoff where you decide one's a rookie? In there there is, but not on paper. It's weird. But even with Ronaldo, like I bought the Ronaldo rookie on purpose. It's not a rookie, but like I bought the older card on purpose. I sought it out and that's why I bought it. I wouldn't have paid the price I did for his newer print. Do you know? Do you you think there's a premium on non like older cards, but not necessarily first print? Like I think uh, there was your conversation with Pira's was talking about I forget who the card was. Well a good example would be Oshiman because he had the mm. the cards when he was with Charleroi and then he had the Lille cards and now he's got uh Napoli cards. So Right. So like did should the Lille cards have extra value because they're older even though they're not rookies? I don't no, think so. Because I, I don't I don't think so. They will and Pavel will tell you they will, but they don't <laughs> You know, because I mean, if you look at the real sports card world, it's the rookie or bust. After yeah, that, that's you sort of what go, I was going to bring up. Like old cards maybe, are just old; they're not rookies. Unless he won a Ballon d'Or that year, was top goal scorer, or it's really significant in Lille's history, and a Lille fan will want that card. It's just a second year print. It's it. Maybe if there's like three cards printed from his rookie year, or like very few. And those holders are holders. People will automatically go to the next year because it's the, their first point of access. It's realistic. So it might have a small bit more demand. But maybe it's a unwarranted, a bit of a stupid demand in many ways because long term, in my mind, it's rookie or bust. One but of maybe the, I'm wrong. One of the things that Quinny was talking about with about the Ronaldo cards, where he was saying one of his Juventus cards, they won the title and another they didn't. He was like, I would obviously like the one that they won the title in. But like, Unless you really know Syria, yeah. like if you need to explain why a card is worth more, then I don't think it's worth more. And if the ex- even whatever the explanation is, if somebody looks at it and is like, oh, okay, that's a Ronaldo card from a few years ago, and you're like, no, no, they won the title that year. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. If you have to provide some sort of explanation, and that's why I think. I think that SoRare has a lot of room to grow. They could do something as simple as like when you click on the card, uh, and I know that they don't they don't want to be able to uh, like edit the card or anything. But when you click into the card, maybe it does have like a little badge on it that it's like, hey, uh, championship card or championship edition or something like that. Um, I think that there's champion now. edition cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. But there, I think there's room there for for yeah. a little bit of help. 
even when you list a card to market, kind of like eBay description, so you can really big up your card and right, explain right. it. But then they're just afraid of people putting foul language in there and saying mean things about people. That's fair. Right. If I need four sentences of explaining a card and why I should pay more for it, it's I'm not collectible. Not. Yeah. No. I'll put my Danny Parejo on the market and be like, "Hey, John." John, you prick, buy it. <laughs> if, okay, we're cursing then, you fuck. So, <laughs> sorry for your monetization, Rotowire. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's one of those. Like, and it is that it's that there's that personal collectible level as well. So for me, yes, I think it goes from a historic platform where I used to, I, I went all in on Danny Parejo and he died. And then he's back and I, I bought his card on, on So Rare. And then I literally posted on Twitter, like, I don't know how long, I could tell you exactly how long ago, when did I get his, on the 14th of September, I posted being like, I'm just saying, for a champion midfielder with this good and all-round scoring, he's great value. And the next day, in that La Liga special thing, I won his, his, like, what is it? I don't even That's know what to call it. The La Liga, what's it? It's the ticket the card. Game Week 200, no, the Game Week 200 oh, card. Okay. But now for me, because I have as rare, I have that limited, I I will buy, I am buying, and I shouldn't be saying this because someone's going to shaft me out of it now, but his ticket card, I'm looking at it, I've sent the guy a couple of more than fair offers, I'm taking into account of the limited card, and I'm taking into account a ticket price deal of the Liga game, I'm giving him more than fair offers, like way above market, and he's saying no, so I'm alright. You redeem that card on the 6th of October and I'll hit you on the 7th because the card's worthless then. So I want that card because I've got this little weird fetish for Danny Parejo now. So that's a really isolated, but like I will probably pay, I shouldn't say I'm going to pay over the odds, but I would pay over the odds for that card because I've got this little weird thing, do you know? The and that's what collectability is. Yeah. You're pumping someone else's card before you buy it. I know. <laughs> like, don't sell me this because I'm not, I will buy it for more. Like, yeah. Just say no the first three times. I'll still buy it. <laughs> Black, you have uh, a Danny Prejo uh, history as well. I specifically remember, I forget what card I, a while ago that I sold and the guy had, you know, like a decisive the next game. And you were like, oh no, I sold a Danny Parejo and the day later he scored a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just sold, I just sold another one that I won. So I'm expecting a 100 here shortly from him. There you go. Speaking, speaking of cards that uh, that you sell and have great games, uh, that guy for for Gent that uh, uh, Montez Court, what is it, Montez? Uh, oh, Castro. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Let's see, Castro. He, he had another decisive a action today. <sighs> just as a heads up. I sold him like two or three weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, I'll never use this guy, and now my challenger team is just dead. Uh, that, that, that I actually sold that. It kind of comes into collectible, so I'm going to just bring this up and butt right in, because I think it's kind of half relevant. Last night I sold my first ever card I bought, and it was harder than selling any other card, because there was that little bias and that little bit of like, oh, but it's, I remember the night so clearly, do you know? I remember I was on a Zoom call with, I think, uh, Quinny and Hendo, and we, I was chatting shit on a Zoom call. And I went in and just said, look, let me stick a bid on this guy. And I bid on Zielinski. I didn't even know who Zielinski was. And I put 27 euros on the table and I felt like I was making a big mistake. And I had him. And, you know, he came really good towards the end of last season. And I sold him for a 2,419% fate increase last night. And it's just mad. But, like, 
even selling him at that, I was like, oh, this is a mistake. Keep him. He's your first. You always remember your first. I had posted my first. It was a Keaton Parks because I'm a New York City FC supporter. That was the first card I ever bought. And nobody, and I was like, I put it, like, I was like, I, I just should just sell this card. I'm not using it enough. Like, I'll just sell it. But then I like see what it's going for. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be the lowest. If somebody wants to pay me extra for it, and I'm like, nobody should pay me extra for this. It's last year's <laughs> card. It's, I mean, actually, I guess it's a Keaton Parks rookie. I'll say it that way, since he's under 23. And that was the first year of MLS cards. But like, there was no reason. And finally, someone was like, why? This is like the first card that you ever bought and you're selling it for like nothing. And I'm like, you're right. I should just take it off. And now I, I'm just keeping it. But like nobody, this isn't a collectible card. I, I'm collecting it because it's my first, but like there's no value in that. Yeah. I don't know. How many players do you think with cards on so rare will have their cards? I don't even want to say maintain their value, but like be collectible after they retire. Like you said if Ronaldo stopped playing today, obviously his cards are going to still be worth it. If Mbappe stopped playing today, in 20 years we'd talk about Mbappe, but we wouldn't. he wouldn't be as collectible in any way. Like, I mean, people would remember. Like, Do you remember that guy Mbappe that everyone thought was going to be oh, the next Ronaldo? Oh, what could have been, right? Yeah. yeah. Same with Haaland. Same with yeah. Fatty's knees are shagged. Um, who else is a Pedri? I'm thinking of players that people care about at the minute in terms of collecting football cards. Verts. I mean, there's all these up and comers who are like, oh yeah, he's exciting. But like the bottom line is Ronaldo and Messi, if they die tomorrow, their price goes up. If they break their leg tomorrow, their price maintains and goes up over time. Um, so like buying those, I just think it's like I that's why I actually bought the Ronaldo card. I've seen this today in a video. I bought it purely collectibly. I did not buy it thinking of SO5. It, it, and people won't believe this. I actually didn't even consider the SO5 potential. So much so that whenever it was actually like, oh God, the Prem's back. Jeez, I have Ronaldo. I could actually use Ronaldo. And then there was this, I'll get it. I'll maybe talk about this shortly. I talked about it in the podcast. I just recorded so people will hear it twice from me this week. It's the Diderot effect. It, it's this weird psychological thing where like, when you have something that's all beautiful and shiny, you want to surround it by beautiful and shiny things. So then whenever I realized, oh my God, I actually have Ronaldo, an elite SO5 scorer here now, up top for United. I was like, I need to surround that by like good players. So I went and bought Insignia and I bought Courtois and I've just sold half my gallery to buy like Di Lorenzo and Fabian Ruiz just because I really want a solid champion team now. Because it's like once you re like I bought him collectively long term and then I realized what I had from an SO5 perspective and it was like, geez, I need to actually like utilize that. <laughs> but um, back to your initial point, the bottom line is that handful, 10, maybe a few more, I don't know, 1%, 2%, 3% of the cards in this platform will be collectible past the point of retirement. Like, People don't realize that. Like when I say about Kamavinga, I don't think Kamavinga is collectible in twenty years. He's collectible now based on the hype, on the potential of what he could become. And maybe I leak my words, but like if you look at the track record, what's Modric's cards worth? What's Cruz's cards worth? Real Madrid top midfielders for years. Did Modric win a Ballon d'Or? Am I making that up? But Croatia He's a finalist. He was. He was close. Did he win? I can't imagine they actually let him win. I don't even know. Like Steven Gerrard, what are his card prices at? Do you know, Lampard, I'm thinking of like midfielders that are like revered. It's like, it's just a different thing. But 
Mbappe has the potential to be very collectible. Haaland has the potential to be very collectible. Ronaldo and Messi are there. Who else? Like So newbie in chat here who confirmed Modric did win it. 2018, oh. yeah. So he's they said Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Lewandowski, Neuer, Mueller, Iniesta. I can't fathom people want an NFT of Andres Iniesta in a Kobe jersey. I think people do. I mean, if I it people was want- wouldn't the cards be more expensive now anyway? I think people want Iniesta in a, a Kobe jersey more than they want Neuer in a Bayern Munich jersey. Keepers get no love. I, Once he they, retires, yeah. When they announced these Legends cards, and they were like, you can use them in SO5, and it's like, they're going to need some goalies. So the, like, fir- the first thing I thought of when, when they released the one to, uh, this morning was, uh, why wouldn't I just buy it at Courtois then? <laughs> yeah. To like get all the Real Madrid scores? Price? Yeah. Yeah, well, sure I don't he's think, cheaper. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, what's Courtois? I think his limited was 0.3-ish. And then this this guy this morning was, I think you could maybe get him under 0.2. This guy. Like, this guy, yeah. This guy. <laughs> Only like one of the greatest keepers ever. This guy. It's like a 0.1 <laughs> difference. And, and I can use Courtois, Courtois, Courtois every week. So, yeah, I don't know. twice a week sometimes. Yeah. You can use yeah. uh, Casillas in, for internationals, right? Oh no, it's not his international card. I was gonna say that some of those Spanish yeah. teams were pretty good. Once a month, sometimes once a month, I can use him. <laughs> I love yeah. that we're going on. Like people are buying these cards. I haven't bought one, Andy. I know you have one, but like, with we have no idea what's gonna happen with these cards. What one did you buy? I bought Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Yeah. I'd buy a Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane or bust for me. Maybe maybe Roy Keane. I'll, I'll be buying a, a Cruyff as well. Don't think so. We, they're yeah, they're probably not licensed. Them, right? they're, they're, they wouldn't be licensed, I don't think. Unless it's their official in it. Oh, that's confusing. Have they only found legends that have played for clubs that are licensed, or is it a separate thing? No, it's a separate thing, I think. I think they, they've all... I t- could totally be wrong, but it seems like this is all like uh, uh, like one-offs. Because if there was Roy don't Keane or Robbie Keane, I'm in. The Platini one was a France card, and they obviously that, have that deal. Canavaro yeah. with Juventus. Maybe it is a... The We're going to get Beckenbar, aren't we? Was the Ronaldo a Corinthians card? No, it was PSV. PSV, yeah, okay. Who was who the, the Corinthians uh, guy? He played for them. He just wasn't their card. Okay, okay. Because I, I know that they were, they were... They mentioned him, I guess, when they made the announcement that Corinthians was coming on board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. John, do you buy uh, do you buy so rare cards of cards you own physical versions of? Hmm. The reverse. I went through a little weird phase. Do you want me to show you my dirty little box on my left shoulder? No. <laughs> you, you don't want to know what's in here. So, <laughs> let me see. I'm excited to find out. This will be Actually, fun. I don't even know. Is this the box? Maybe this. This is good audio. Pile? Sorry, this is terrible audio. So, this this pile of cards was cards. Oh fuck, I dropped one. Sorry for. That. Oh, I dropped a really nice one. Oh. Anyway, he slipped out. So that's actually a Kaladu Kulabali, who's one of my best SO5 performers. Oh, cool. Look at that signature. That's cool. Signed jersey. The, the corner's gone now, but it wouldn't be worth that much anyway. But like, so these are a bunch of cards that I had some of, 
and I, I and then I went and bought more to fill out my my so rare kind of collection. So like we've got all black Carrasco. I'll wait and see if there's any that jump out. Like look at this. Like I would not have this if it wasn't for so rare. You ready? Love That's it. a Lord Hands auto. Yep, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Numbered to ninety nine. What? Ninety nine people were upset when they got that card, but I was buzzing. <laughs> ninety eight people were upset. <laughs> Vlasic, a wee oh, refractor. Cool. Um, Miners, Depay. I'm not going to do this all day, but there's one or two more that are interesting. These, Nuno Mendes. These are you bought individually. Yeah, I went and just went in a little bit of a binge. Like, this is it's the your... funniest one. Like, how uncollectible is this? But I wanted it because I have him. Berghouse in a Watford jersey. Like, who wants that card? <laughs> I was this totally guy. expecting, like, Sven Combs or uh, someone else. Oh, here's the story I wanted to bring up. Laird, you oh. you bad word. Here we go. Remember this guy? Oh, yeah. I can focus. Yeah. So, so, I went into All Star D three because I have a Don who I bought from John, who was not looking to sell him at all, but he had like a U twenty three itch and needed a little bit more ETH, and I just happened to have that little bit of ETH. And you prayed. I was on looking me. at the rewards one on that card, and I opened it yesterday. And I was like, man, there are a ton of rewards on this card, and I was like, I don't remember winning all these, and I'm like, oh right, John won. <laughs> That's the story. If you go to my gallery on so rare data, my best SO5 card, like three or four months, however long after the transfer, is still a Dan. No way. Wow. Still. Yeah, That's I gave so him fun. to you mid-July, so I've had two and a half months of utility, and you've won three rewards with him. I won 11. It is like, right there. It's so funny. That guy won me Nuno Mendes, Arthur Fiate, bunch of ETH. Yeah. So that that's like the kind of bone I have to pick. Where you're like, give me my guy back. Like, <laughs> his price is through the roof now. As I was well. going to say, you want to pay double? It's all yours. Yeah. Ugh. But you yeah, got somebody good from that one. I remember you were buying some a bunch of people after that. I bought a bunch of people after that. I'm actually selling half of them now to try and get back into SO5. But that's just how I do, baby. Anyway. I was going to say, do you? So did you start with so rare buying cards that you thought were collectibles, or did you focus on SO5? Because it seems like the prices on the market have always been about SO5. Like there are some guys who, are, yeah. who maybe are more expensive because they're collectibles, but like the, I feel like there's like this base price built into every card because of their SO5 abilities. So like, did you, how did you look at cards when you first started? SO5 entirely. Um, so rare data. When I first signed up, I remember looking at it and I couldn't make head or tails. Hendo was like to me, you need to use this. It's amazing. And I looked at it. There was all these red and blue and black dots. I was like, what on earth is going on here? But then like when I look at my first signings that remain, I'm kind of sad that Zielinski isn't there. I mean, I had Bodart, Koulibaly, Diada, Trippier, Nubel. I got him for 77 euros. Uh, Amiri. Um, I mean, Amiri isn't exactly great, but at the time he was a bit of a baller. He scored a few good goals. But then very quickly I got a bit of an itch for it and I bought the likes of Vanekin, Jacob Rasmussen on the Erdovese release, who's went a bit downhill with an injury. Nemecha, who was big, Berghaus, Sergio Oliveira, Noah Lang, Coop Miners. I went big on SO5 is basically what I'm getting at here. Um, and then I kind of transitioned from SO5 maybe, I don't know, four or five months ago. I got a bit of a horn for under 23s. That sounds creepier than it is, but <laughs> I uh, I kind of decided like I'm gonna buy people who have more upside, people for the future, but high performers. 
the issue and the thing that I didn't really think about too much. It's a great long-term idea and it's a great immediately short-term idea. It's a terrible mid-term idea because Coop Miners goes off to Atlanta and you can't use him anymore. Nuno Mendes yeah. goes to PSG, which I think will be great, actually pretty short-term, but even just now there's a rotation risk. Um, Arthur Theate goes away. Zinho van Huysden goes away. A bunch of players go to teams that they aren't nailed. Crap and Diata, the worst story ever. Do you know, he was an elite performer at Bruce. He was the first big card I bought. Yep. He was the first, like, he was the biggest money I'd paid for a card at that date. And he went to Monaco and just, he's getting a few goals recently, I think, or maybe one or two, but, like, just fell off a cliff. And that became the issue. Pre-summer, I was under 23s, under 23s, under 23s. Post-summer, bunch of transfers. I go to build SO5 lineups. And I have a bunch of cracking scores that remain. But there's holes everywhere. And those holes yeah. are the guys that got transfers. So now I'm like, I need to fill those gaps. So I need to sell some of the guys. I'm not selling the really elite ones, or the ones who got top transfers, because they are obviously really well-renowned and sort of they will go on to become great players, I'm sure. But the kind of like longer-term prospects, I'm like, this is dead wood. I could sell them, get players, and win 10 of them in the meantime. It's <laughs> like, I think economically it makes more sense to have the SO5 performer over the second tier potential guy do you know what i mean like elite potential proper top players who could go on to big clubs and do great things that's one thing but guys who are kind of like a bit of a punty one for like two or three years time percentage wise i think you're just better going so5 but maybe i'm wrong i think a lot of those elite elite like u23 players are massive risks and we saw that uh in in j league with uh was it tanaka that that went to bundesliga oh, yeah. two yeah um uh i i think there were a few other guys that that ended up transferring as well but that's kind of the the risk that you play and, and we see it in the mls too we have really good u23 players in the mls and you know brendan aronson went to a uncovered league um uh, there's always that risk of your player going to a more difficult league in a transfer window and either them becoming kind of a dead card uh, or just less less elite. Yeah, I think that you need guys who are very good but not too good that they leave. Mm. We, we always talk about those guys like privately, like, "Hey, is he too good though? Is he gonna uh, make that move to the to the next next league or whatever, and then die?" And and those are the guys you kind of don't want. Like Chris Mueller is going to be interesting because um, I I thought that he was you know going to crush MLS this year, and then they announced that transfer, and and he sucked ever since they they announced that transfer. But I don't know when he goes to Belgium, is he going to crush that league i don't know he might just he might be just fine um but jordan morris is is, is like another guy he's not u23 but but he was a card that i invested in because i thought he wasn't good enough to play in europe i thought he would just crush mls for the rest of his career and and that was a super i i invested heavily in and then he went to swansea city blew out his acl back in seattle now i don't Dumb. know maybe 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 he'll stay and uh, MLS the rest of his career. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there was that was my when I was starting to get into the, the J League and K League, and it was like, don't get the really really good young guys because they'll leave, and you just have no idea like what happens when they leave. So if you get the guys mm. who are like twenty seven, twenty eight, that's probably old enough where they're like, 
they're probably just staying. And so just go after They got a family guys. now. They got to stay. <laughs> they got yeah, kids. Totally. They can't uh, move them all. But yeah, the, the, the fear, like you obviously want your U23s to play exceptionally well because they help your lineups. But then all of a sudden, like this summer, the Noah Lang leads rumors. And as somebody who didn't have a Noah Scary Lang card, I'm like, yeah, go to Leeds, do it. Because then you, I can stop worrying about getting slaughtered by Noah Lang lineups mm. in U23. I, I have Noah Lang, right? And I think like he's the one I was actually about to bring him up. It's funny you brought him up. I was about to say like he's my heart attack for next summer. And I'm kind of thinking like I have De Kettler, I have Vanekin. I'm like, I love having that as a stack, albeit I normally separate Vanekin for the under 23 bit. But the point is that like, I know that the time will come where Charles de Kettler and Lang are split up. The chances are one of them becomes a bit of a dud. I don't know which one. But even in terms of leads, so like, w- w- what is the point to sell? Do I sell now or do I play the January transfer window thing? They're both doing great in the Champions League. Teams are looking. Do I hope they ride that out the next summer and do I sell in like February or March when prices are starting to taper off? Everyone's buying MLS and getting worried. Bruges aren't in the Champions League anymore, whatever else. But my big thing was like the leads rumor scared me but it didn't terrify me i probably should have maybe i'm naive but if you look up like some leeds players like if you go to leeds united on so rare data the forwards aren't the worst scorers in the world it's not noah yeah. lang levels his price yeah. would definitely have dipped but i mean like if he could do something like what rafinha does like i'd love yeah. rafinha you look at his scores they're great leeds are one of those bielsa sort of bielsa ball all out attack they'll concede goals lang doesn't give a shit about conceded goals but he'll score goals at leeds Albeit their season hasn't had a great start, but I think long term they're they're pretty solid in the prem. And imagine they got relegated. Imagine how good that would be. They won't. They're not that bad. But imagine. Yeah, that'd be. That's the dream. But anyway, yeah, the Leeds rumors. At first, it was like heart attack, and I think I listed them, and then I was like, "Wait, there, calm down, big lad. You know, it's not the end of the world." Where I've got some players there, like Nemecha, who's like off the face of the earth now getting sort of 20 minutes a game i think he'll come good at wolfsburg they get goals as well but there's so many players i have who just like were lang type prices not the match it was but coop miners was and it's now just a case of like all right let's wait do you know because i'm not selling them for 0.3 like no way right i'd imagine if cdk and uh lang stay at bruges through the winter you're gonna make you're gonna be free rolling on them by by next summer hmm You'll have won enough. And that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. That's why you need to look at it, probably. Yeah. Did you consider selling Coop Miners when he moved? Like, I feel like there's no. this excitement when moves first happen. And, like, before people are like, wait a minute, in the short term, this is probably horrible. Mm. Right. But long term, maybe it's okay. But I think, I think that time is literally like a day or two. But if that yeah. first day where all of a sudden it's like, oh, he might go to Atalanta... And somebody's like, oh, they score a lot of goals. Uh, maybe I'll get them. But you didn't think of it. No, I, th- I think the thing was, it's like, that. that's, it's kind of scared me off buying more of these like under 23 elite performers who aren't already at their forever club or a similar level of their forever club. Like Oshman, where's he going to go? He's going to go to a club of a similar level or slightly higher where he's still likely to perform, in my opinion. Whereas you buy Lang... He goes to any of the top five leagues in Europe. He might just not step up. With Coop Miners, the, the question you asked me, the thing was, it's like when you buy those players, that's the risk you take. And I think like if you're buying those players and you're selling them whenever they get the transfer out of panic, you're just playing it wrong. I think you kind of need to like 
you're buying them for the long term. That's why you're buying them. And while I've realized recently there's holes in that plan because those holes are holes in my SO5 teams, I'm not selling them at cut price because the reason I seen them initially and the reason I wanted them initially is because they have high upside in terms of like peak SO5 scores. They just need to bet in, get game time. If Coop Benners was playing every game for Atlanta and in a couple of years if he's on set pieces, he is a top scorer on the platform. And, you know, Atlanta has seen enough in him to sign him. His scores speak for themselves. He was way, way, he was a big fish in a small pond um, whenever he was in the Eredivisie. But, like, there's players like that that it's like, I back him to succeed. I really do. There's some of them who take the step up and you're kind of like, oh, God. Do you know, like, maybe I should have sold him. But I think the bottom line for me is, if you're buying young quality, you need to be aware that the transfer is imminent. And if you aren't willing to back them long term, you probably shouldn't have them because the transfer is going to come out of nowhere and it's going to happen. Do you know? Yeah. I'm kind of going around in circles, but I think you get what I mean. Do Do you Maybe. put like a an estimated time frame on these guys in terms of like when you would sell? Like you're obviously, it seems Terrible like the plan is not to hold them forever. But like, what is the when do you get out? <laughs> you never get out. You literally <laughs> never get out. And that's the horrible part. Because now I'm thinking, like, I'm looking there of, like, a doku of a turkey rookie, right? In inverted commas. And when you ask me that question, that's who I look at. And I'm thinking, like, what's the end game with turkey? Right? So turkey gets into the Leon team eventually, and he actually plays. I mean, I think he made a bit of a cameo tonight, and people were impressed with how direct he was. I think he pretty much created the second goal. Um, don't know if he got the assist because it was a reflection. But the bottom line is, the sky is the limit. But what's more likely is Ravel Morrison or just some sort of standard-ish kind of okay career playing for Aston Villa. Do you know what I mean? That's what's more likely. That's 80% what's going to happen, 90% what's going to happen. But there's a 5 or 10% chance there that Cherky goes on to become the next big thing. So when is the end game? Jeez, oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for a smart person, the end game should be whenever there's hype, whenever he does something, whenever he gets a call up to the French squad, whenever he gets regular game time and scores a hat-trick, that should probably be your exit. But realistically, will I have the discipline to do that? Probably not. When will actually be my exit? <sighs> probably like four years away from now when I decide to leave so rare because I have to buy a house or something and then it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know and that's that's my honest answer I just it's something that I probably need to consider more and need to be more disciplined in because the issue is the hard part is whenever they start scoring well on SO5 that's when their price goes up but they're scoring well on SO5 so you want to keep them right that's Neat. the killer we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, your whole description right there, I had. If you just replace it with Jao Felix, that's how I feel about that card that I bought. Like, I, yeah, I know you have one too. Jao Felix is like the first expensive card I bought on so rare to the point where I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I spending hundreds of dollars for a card? And I remember because I thought I could sell it for hundreds of dollars plus 50. And I was like, if I can make 50 bucks on this card, like, that's great. I still have the card. It's been months. I turned down. Gary V will be back. Gary V will be back. He was selling for five ETH. He is not selling for that anymore. I think I saw a 0.5 something today, which was just like the most depressing tweet I've seen in a long time. Mm. But but that's like, I, I was thinking like my end game, I think the only way that somebody like Jao Felix is valuable long-term is if he becomes like literally a top three player in the world. And the odds of that happening are so low that I really should sell when he's under 23. And I think that applies to like almost every U23 player that they have peak value before they turn 24. And even if they're great players, like I just, I, I struggle to see Noah Lang being this expensive when he's 26, even if he's a, a very good player, like in terms of so rare, like the utility goes down because you can't use him in U23. Like they're just not that many players that we pay premiums for when we own, when we can't play them in U23. So like, mm-hmm. obviously looking back, I should, I should have sold Jao Felix and he doesn't play now. So like his value is still low now. But like it feels like elite U23 players peak, like their values peak now when they're U23s. Because I mean, obviously I mean, they can, you can they win can stuff win, with them, but they can win you the best players on the platform or the most expensive players on the platform right now. That's that's why, right? Champion. What am I trying to say here? I used to prioritize under 23s, as in that was always when I did my wee lineup builder, whatever's on YouTube. Under 23s, I'll build my D3, I'll build my D4, and then we move on. But in the last like two weeks since PSG have been added, I'm building my champion D3, champion D4, and then going under 23s. Maybe I'm just wrong. You're a madman. It's, it's the thought. I know champion's so, it's it's so competitive. It's so hard. So hard. It's so competitive. But the thought of like winning a Messi or a Neymar or a, mm-hmm. I suppose, to be fair, Hakimi... Donnarumma and Mbappe are all probably in the under 23s. So maybe I am just being a dick. But that's where I'm at. I no, I hear you. you. Yeah, you can win, you win U23s in, in the regional ones. Sure. You can win them in both. Yeah. yeah. 
but I hear I hear what you're saying. The prizes in in Champion Europe are just so damn good, and and I do prioritize there, but I don't use any U23 players in maybe Alfonso Davies in Champion Europe, but for the most part, all of my Champion Europe players are over 23. I'm just checking. I think mine might be. So it's a bit of a pointless task anyway. Melvin Bard is yeah. one who I've used in D3. He's a he's actually became a really consistent sort of scorer. It sounds stupid. Everyone's like, who the hell's Melvin Bard? You have no chance. But he's actually scoring like four Does of his last five scores. Did he still play for Leon or did he get transferred? No, he's off to Nice. But Nice are looking really good defensively. Yeah, looking, um, yeah. The platform is filled with guys like that, though. Yeah. They're like, we yeah. all know. And then you mention a name to somebody who doesn't play so rare, and they're like, who the hell is that guy? Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's nobody. It's just somebody I just spent two thousand dollars on a, a literally. Car for. That's all. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you do you think in, do you like view cards in fiat? Hmm. When it suits me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah. No, it's it's ETH, but I mean, if ETH's very very volatile, and I'm buying. Oh god, my head can't process now. If it suits me to value it in ETH, I'll value. Or if it suits me to value it in fiat, I will. Like. If his last sale in fiat was two grand and ETH spikes and all of a sudden someone wants three grand, they'll be like, well, no, he actually sold for this. This is what he's actually worth. But if I'm selling, I'll play the other card. I'll, I'll definitely go the other way. So I'm a bit of a scumbag, but I think we all are. I pretty much only think in ETH except when I sell dirt cheap limited cards that I don't want anymore. I just don't want to look at them. And so I get an offer and I'm like, it looks so low and it's like, Twelve dollars, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. Twelve bucks is not it's nothing. A, it's a tier three Asian that I'll never use. Twelve bucks, <sighs> yeah. sure. Limited. That's all I win now. Tier three limited cards. That's it. I can't place anything for a rare card. But yeah, I think I'll I might happily give up the twelve dollars or take the twelve dollars. Mel posted or tweeted the other day about buying a PlayStation, and she was saying how expensive it was. And she was like, I couldn't believe I'd ever pay this much for it. And she's like, and then I realized it was 0.28 ETH. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll pay that's that. That's funny. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. how it That's pretty funny. It was, it was so funny. I've already had this because I moved from, so in the north of Ireland, they think in pounds and miles. And in the south of Ireland where I live now, we think in euros and kilometers. And there's lots of other things there. And now I think in ETH. So it's really hard. <laughs> I just I think everyone has their own little matrix in their head of how they think about things. Like sometimes when I go home, I price things in like pints or like that's like two lunches or that's like, you know, like in really weird things. I'll tell you what, you know? Nellis, the, the thing that drives me absolutely nuts is when somebody reaches out to me on Discord and they're like, hey, um, I want to buy this guy for, you know, 400 euros. Dude, I don't know what a euro is. <laughs> well, no, is a euro. <laughs> I don't know what the hell a euro is, and then I don't know how to compare that to a... To it's a, like 1.1 pounds. That's what it is, Black. <laughs> it's like, Which is 4,000 yen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I had a guy today, and I was like, just tell me what that is in ETH. I don't know what that is, but that's at least like a univer universal language that we can speak. Yeah. That's the importance of it, really, isn't it? I um... 
yeah, it would be nice for everybody just to work on the same terms. But I think like that's probably this is something I thought about like yesterday um, when I was driving. I was thinking about how you know it's taken so it really pissed me off. I don't think I've ever bought a card unless it's in a panic or a hurry because I think I've got news. I don't think I've ever bought a card without discording the person first. It's like if you don't have Discord, I'm gonna to talk to the other guy and get his price lower than yours. So there's no point in me talking to you. Maybe I'll send an offer if the other guy's not playing ball, and we'll see what happens. But bottom line is, Discord or bust. I've said that twice. That kind of or bust thing. This this podcast, but it's relevant. So I was thinking about their counter offer system that's gonna happen someday, and I was thinking like probably not not necessarily what's taking them. There's no reason for this to take long, but I imagine how it'll work that you can't send abuses a bunch of predetermined phrases of meet me in the middle or like can you come down a little bit or some sort of shit but the beauty of it is that it'll be so if there's 10 set phrases or whatever they can translate them to 50 languages and i can say to some random guy in the czechoslovakia i can be like here meet me in the middle and i can click that button but he sees it as Meet me in the middle, or whatever. that's that's not an accent. <laughs> whatever that is, you know what I'm doing. Um, and you know, and and we both we both speak the same language. That's so rare, baby. Do you know? I love it. I love it. It's a global game, coming. right? Global game, right there. I had somebody offer to PayPal me euros recently, and I was like, I don't even know if I can do that. So please don't. Suggest. That sounds like a scam. Was it? Uh... Were they, were they going to use Western Union and, and and did you have to like clear a check first or yeah. how was that going to work? They were just going to mail me some cash and <laughs> I would mail it. So I would print out the card and mail it back to them and then somehow. Oh boy, here transfer. we go. <laughs> Take a picture of it. Right. Did, yeah. did it involve iTunes gift cards? <laughs> Is that a real? <laughs> Lads, do you know the way like tax is an issue with NFTs? Oh. Is there a way that someone this? who lives in, we're not going to get deep into this jay fraz who i recommend you follow he's a good guy he posted this question to me recently uh like yesterday and i talked hendo was your guy for this he's a tax man mm-hmm. but is there a case to be made for setting up a company in like malta or somewhere weird that is no nft tax getting everyone to send you their nfts selling them and sending them back cash how do you get the cash to them without Customs find it. I shouldn't talk about illegal activity like this on live streams, should I? Anyway, someone's well, we going to do that in, ten, in a year. I don't think anybody knows if that's illegal or not. Shipping cash is probably not a good thing, but you know, there's probably like a limit of like ten grand. But uh, I'm not going down that line. I'm not going to derail this conversation. I do that in my own podcast. <laughs> John, so you do collectible cards or? Physical cards and so rare cards. Do you do any other NFTs? No, no. I've been very close a couple of times, but it's laziness. It's it's kind of like there's a couple of things. Like I think being completely honest, and I, I say this all the time. Whenever you're like a content creator, like whenever you're making content, there's like I get double value out of what I do. So I get the value of so rare and I get the value of what I can do with that to create content. If I was to like take out of so rare and put it elsewhere, yes, you might find a Ape Yacht Club jobby or you might find a CryptoPunks. <laughs> I wish I'd done that. But anyway, <laughs> the thing is, whenever you like they're bad examples because everyone would prefer that. But like if I go and buy some dodgy dog avatar thing, 
that may or may not go anywhere. If I put that money in SoRare, I can create more engaging content to make better podcasts, to make more engaging YouTube videos, which I hope whenever this prod, we're all back in SoRare to succeed. If it goes FPL, if it goes half of FPL, I have a good job, but I would love, imagine being able to just talk about football for your life. Do you know, I want to create the best content I can create. And how do I do that? buy a more so rare cards so that that's why i put my money there but i do 100 percent encourage diversification among nft platforms not just players and so rare because you never know what's going to happen but i'm kind of double backing it with content which you kind of are as well i think i have no interest in other nfts Neither do I. I mean, there might, if there's something that comes out that i find interesting like i do genuinely find this genuine stuff uh, genuino stuff interesting they're kind of hitting they hit me they've hit a few other people but the kind of jersey the memorabilia the real life the football the tangibles the this the that meh do you know i kind of find that interesting i like the physical the digital connection which is what so rare is doing it's in football something i love if they open up to more clubs clubs that i prefer fiorentina if they were on so rare maybe i'd care more but like if they bring on more clubs i mean there will be nfts i'm sure that i'm interested in but avatar NFTs at the minute just aren't really for me. But maybe one day. I say that today and tomorrow you'll see me with some alien as my profile picture. But yeah. I'm not there. The thing that got me, like I've had people kind of reach out and be like, you know, that we have this new project. Do you want to be involved? And I was like, okay, like what is the deal? And they're like, eh, they're NFTs, so you just buy them. I'm like, well, what do I do with them then? And they're like, no, you just, you, you own them. Buy them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's not enough for me at this point. Like this, the fantasy SO5, like keeps me involved in so rare. Like I'm not uh, buying. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I think all of the NFT stuff involving avatars and art, I think personally is a fad that will fade away. And the people holding a lot of these things that they think are valuable right now are not valuable and they will not be able to sell them for what they think they are worth right now um, down the road. Granted, there's a lot of people making a lot of money right now flipping these things and, uh, uh, you know, selling their quote unquote bags. Uh, but I think that there's going to be a lot of people that end up with things that are not valuable in the end. Is that greater fool theory? Is that that like a bit, yes. everyone buying it hoping the next guy's stupider (laughs) i think like i i personally my personal belief would be that i do think crypto punks these board yacht club things and a few other significant ones that have cultural significance and actually they have that clout based on what they've done early in the nft era and whatever else i do think long term they'll have value will they have millions of value i don't know maybe probably but I do think it's one of those where 99% of those avatar projects are just fads. I do think that. But I do think there will be the 1% or 2% that are actually just like status symbols on Twitter. And you'll have the little Ethereum verified thing beside your NFT profile picture. I think that's common. I believe that. Um, But I don't believe in it enough to go and buy a bunch of random new ones and hope I hit the next big one. I just I would rather stick to what I know. But... There's going to be a lot of people who make a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of people who lose a lot of money. I mean, for people, to, for, for a lot of people to make a lot of money, a lot of people have to lose a lot of money. Well, that, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Just, just everybody remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But like we're gonna be like that in so rare. Like mm-hmm. if so rare is around in ten years, we're having a lot of we have a lot of cards right now of guys who will probably not be playing in ten years and like Yeah. And they're not collectible cards or collectible players. So like what do we what do we do with them then? We hold on to them and we cherish them, Laird. Yeah. See those cards on my shoulder? I like these. See, in that box, they're my favorite ones, if anyone's planning on robbing my house. See, in like this box, and like below, they're a bunch of shitters that no one cares about and no one will ever care about. That's what half of my so rare cards are going to be. Yeah. It'll be a case of milk them to the day they die. Retire. Hopefully not die. And uh, hope, that stage hopefully is you- just... Hopefully you win some stuff that you can keep using and win more yeah. stuff that uh, down the road goes into that den over there. Exactly. <laughs> and the only thing that makes this not Ponzi is literally is these real world experiences. The Ethereum prizes, obviously, but the real world experiences. And that's a big thing that I think so rare long term for value, value the cards they need to really double down on. Winning a bit of Ethereum if your podium's grand. Okay, Look, that, that's actually brilliant. Everyone wants to win a couple of grand. Everyone wants to win a few hundred quid. But I think long term for so rare to be sustainable and not actually be Ponzi, they really need to have real world experiences. Do you? Yeah, I just, I mean, baseball cards aren't a Ponzi, right? Or soccer cards aren't a Ponzi. But people buy, but people actually buy those to make money. People act like they're collectors, but they're all sharks. Maybe so rare can do the same thing. But I think if you take out the Ethereum and you take out the real-world experiences, we're all just buying cards to win more cards, to win more cards, to win more cards. But that's entertainment. To sell cards. Entertainment has value. That's fair. I just don't think... I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Would I be here? Jeez, would I be here? I would be. I'm not... Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's fun as hell the whole fantasy aspect of it. And, uh, but do you not think it eventually just crumbles if there's nothing tangible to actually play for, and we're just buying no. cards to win cards to win cards? Because they're I don't think there before, right? So the difference is just that the fact that if there was no ETH involved, no ETH or physical. I think the physical experience is something that can't be understated. Yeah, I agree. These cards. There needs to be monetary rewards as well. Like, yeah, that has to exist. That's what I'm but saying. I, I love. Granted, granted, I love the fact that they're they're bringing in La Liga and and real world experiences, and I I am all for more of that, and I think that they should. And if they if they can do sponsorships, like maybe champ, Champion Europe D four is sponsored by Pepsi this week or something, and and that that's another way to generate revenue or generate or, or provide experiences to, to users then then i'm all for it i think that that's mm. stuff that they should look at that's what i'm saying eth and those i'm not saying those it could just be eth but i'm saying there needs to be something more than cards if it's buying cards to win cards to win cards to play cards to win cards to buy cards it's just stupid and i don't think it ha- personally i don't think it has a future to a point yeah you need the you need the eth you need things that people can use outside cards um but I don't think that's a worry. I don't even know why I brought that up. I'm getting twisted because I've had a few beers. <laughs> what, if, what, what if you could uh, take your card and burn it and they send you a card? Say again? Come so again? What if, what if you take your card, you you send it to so rare or whatever, they burn it, and then they send you a physical card of that, that card? That moved the Not needle chance. through you all? Lack of utility, baby. <laughs> oh, but here, do you know what I should do? 
It'll be like, you know, like YouTubers who like burn like $5,000 just for the like outrage views. I might just like burn my Ronaldo, send it to some burn wallet just yeah. for the YouTube views. It's 0x000 repeating. Yeah. So now you know. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> that. That's my advice. Don't do that. Nervous laughter. But did yeah. you, I mean, when you joined, we obviously didn't have any of these physical prizes like the tickets or anything that obviously is very new did you expect that to be added or were just the threshold enough for you no i i very much knew that that was coming i think like when i signed up it would have been like obviously i don't even know if the threshold existed a year ago maybe it came in a little after that anyway when i first signed up it was more for something to do and then as i started to understand the platform when i got very bullish is when i thought about the long-term future is so rare and I think that the physical aspect, which Nicholas has doubled down on, I mentioned loads of times, um, like he uh, discords and stuff back whenever it was in February, whenever there was the Gary, the Gary V boom, talking about he was constantly re sort of rehashing, rebringing up, constantly doubling down on the physical and digital sort of relationship. So ever since February, I've been constantly talking about that. That's seven months ago, which is actually kind of frightening talking about it and talking about it because i do just think like you know whatever like the the nerds and whoever else can work out actual values on cards based on so5 performance i know there's a lot in so rare because it's where you play them how you play them and who you play them with but like there there is an actual finite kind of value on on things and a collectability plays on that but i think whenever you bring into the mix down the line, who knows if this is possible or whatever, but I've, I've, I've had it thrown at me as an example in a Discord call by a so rare um, team member. What if you got a 15-minute call with Messi on Zoom and that was the reward? Like, to, to loads of people who are like, who they give, they don't give a fuck, it's just a guy. What would I even say to him? Loads of people don't care about that. But the people who do care about that will <laughs> sell their house. Do you know? Do you know, people who do care about that care about that. Mm-hmm. and that's where the that's where the bidding war comes in that's where the comp- competitive side of it comes in so I think like with the physical side the upside of what you can actually give away the value on it is it's the beauty in the high of the beholder and based on that the value can be so much higher than they can ever actually feasibly give away an ETH so when you play on that I think the physical side of things can really bring the platform to that next level but maybe I'm talking crap lads do you know that's just how I view it. I think, like, being able to give Joe Blogs, who sticks 200 quid into SoRare and buys a bunch of limited cards, sticks 500 quid in probably now, and he enters a special weekly and wins an all-expenses-paid trip for him and three mates to the World Cup final. Giving someone that shot is worth so much. Do you know? And I just think that drives the platform to, like, crazy levels. But there's a lot more to it. Do you know what I mean? I think I think those experiences are worth so 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 much more than would ever be given an eighth prize mm-hmm. but maybe i'm wrong unless you want to kill in Mbappe, it's not worth more than that <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest you did go all out for that el clasico I, I that like story pains me me obviously not as much as you uh looking no. at your reaction there but man that like i had a lineup and i was like oh, i'm not gonna win and i saw yours and i was like oh like i was sweating your lineup more than mine yeah, like I was like, what, like 40 points or 50 points off winning with Leno, who got benched in an Arsenal clean sheet. 
I got a, I got a little shit. secret. I got a little secret. <laughs> secret. I had you beat John. <laughs> Did you? With a DNP goalkeeper as well. Oh yeah, I think I heard you talk about this. And yeah. I remember like I heard I heard that podcast, and I was like, it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine we'd come first and second. That'd been fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would have had to take me. Yeah, I'd take you on a date, bro. <laughs> My wife would have killed me, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to take this Irish guy because of because. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a really nice guy, so I'll <laughs> yeah. let you know. I don't you. actually know him, but we kind of know each other. I listen to his <laughs> podcast. Okay? I listen to his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and he listens to mine full circle. I love yeah. it. Yeah, we're buds. Yeah. Um, do you know you've actually sorry i know you're oh sorry i know i know you were about to like bring it on there and probably wrap it up but like bottom line is you've like broke my mind i'm like questioning everything i believe because i've preached for so long that i always think like the eighth and the the real world experiences things that are more tangible than just cards are what drive like brings the value and drives the value and makes this platform able to exist i've never considered the thought of i'm not saying ETH's going anywhere and the real world it's actually like just a completely hypothetical conversation because they're so bullish on particularly the, the real world physical stuff and also the ETH as we've been told it's here to stay with the progress bar. So it's all hypothetical. But even just like if I take those out of my mind and think about that, it kind of breaks my mind to think like, would I still be on so rare if the only thing I could win was cards and the only thing I could win after that's cards? Because I, the entertainment value is worth something, but how much is that worth? It's not worth a hundred grand. Yeah. I think that's my answer. <laughs> but time-wise, I mean... <clears throat> you do a bunch of FPL stuff. Obviously, the monetary investment in there is smaller, but like you, mm. you want to spend your time doing it, and you want to spend your but time I'm, doing so. Right. I'm nowhere near as passionate about FPL anymore. Oh, okay. I still play FPL. I enjoy FPL. I make content in FPL, but like nowhere near as much as so rare because i haven't as much right now i have a few many leagues where of you know people stick 20 quid in a head and stuff mm-hmm. there's bragging rights i like i get it shooting for that overall rank's exciting but like in terms of if i had to like kill one and keep the other you know so rare is where it's at because of the adrenaline because of the thrill of the chase because you're going to sell one turkey card for your new house that's it one day give it five See, years you don't have to sell all of them just one just one. That's all. Real, real quick, we got a couple of Twitter questions I wanted to, to hit real quick. And, and one of them uh, is kind of funny because somebody in chat mentioned Jared Bowen getting a decisive off the bench for West Ham. Um, but also, we had a Twitter question regarding one of the Jared Bowen cards on oh, yeah. So Rare has a blotch like right here on his jersey. It's just like a little colorful blotch. Um, and he was he was curious that it's right above the Umbro logo. Uh, does that provide additional collectability uh, for that card? It's like yeah, like an error card. It's one card has a blotch. It's like a mustard stain right above the uh, Umbro logo. I'm hunting for it. Yeah, you'll find it pretty quickly. Yeah. There's only one of them. That's crazy that there's only one. I haven't seen it on my first try. Let me try again. This is getting embarrassing. So on the left-hand side, is it a rare card, I assume? Yes. Yes. Let me see if I can... uh... If you find it, tell me the number, because I'm hunting. It's uh, 2 of 100 for the 1920. 
Let me see if I could just pull it up on uh, the screen. Well, I've got yeah. it here. I'm not. Is that my screen or is that his chest? That's what everybody says. That's the tiniest blotch. <laughs> but, but <laughs> Get out of here if you think that's more collectible. Real, but really? Okay, it probably is more collectible. Like, if you had to pick one, would you have it or would you have it the one? I'd have the one of a hundred over that personally, but maybe I'm wrong. I wonder but, how does that happen? How does how did this happen? <laughs> so like, but so that's that goes back to exactly what we're talking about. Like, Jared Bowen is not a superstar. So why do you want the one of a hundred of some guy for West Ham? Oh, here we go. He's just here a guy. Go. Because it's more valuable than the five of a hundred. I, I don't know. I don't know. But is it more um, valuable than the five of a hundred in ten years? Marginally, because, because one is like, worth one's worth cents. ten dollars and one's yes. worth twelve. <laughs> right, sort of, like, exactly. Like, but the blotch. That's who who spotted that? I'm the actually like the guy that owns it. How does the blotch happen at two of a hundred and not one of a hundred or three of a hundred? Great question. Are there creeps who sit and scan every card that's put on the market for errors every single day? There are plenty of errors. Like there was um The Juventus logo is one. Did... No, my fa- my favorite is the Paxton Pomicall where they just they printed just another kid's face. Just another guy. Yeah. Like 15-year-old kid. They did that with Alex rolled on. They had a, did an entire season of his brother on his card. Yeah. Was there one in the other day with no player on it? Just the name? Somebody sent that in one of the yeah. discords. I, mean, I, don't, I didn't know if it was actually real. Yeah. yeah. It's probably There's, due for auction soon, like... The other one, the Freeze Matthew and Matt, mm-hmm. Matt Freeze thing. Yeah, they 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 printed his last name first for the entire mm-hmm. season. For an entire season. What's the Juventus one? Somebody messed up the Juventus logo. Oh, so instead of being white, it was black. Uh, oh. YNWA has at least one of them. Right. He always talks about it. So, so my answer to this question is: anything that you can do to to tell a story. To tell, to make someone else think that your thing is worth more than it is, makes it more collectible. If so you can is, get them, if you can get them to believe you, then then you can, then you've yeah. done a great job at, at selling your your booger mustard blotch on Jared Bowen's shirt, and it's more collectible now. I was gonna say this goes back to like if you need to explain to me why a card is more valuable than it's not, but in that situation, all you have to be like, there's a blotch on it. Charisma. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Charisma is worth something in this situation. <laughs> Spin a narrative. Convince some sucker. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, another question that we had is do you have a card and and this is from uh Rascal Masaki. I'm very curious if any of you gentlemen have cards that and calling us gentlemen is uh very kind of the stretch. Yep have cards that might not be collectible to the rest of the market, but have much more value to you personally. Has a, has won a lot of rewards as a player that uh, has specific meaning to you because of real-life performances. Either Adam. of you guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, honestly, the one, like, I thought Zielinski, maybe because he was in my first card, but I sold him, but genuinely one that will, I mean it, he will rot in this, this guy, he will rot in my club. If I leave so rare, he stays. Danny Parejo's Game Week 200 card is the there only one go. at the minute. That's my one. No one's That's ever like buying one that. Too. 
and I challenge someone, offer me 10 ETH for it and I'll reject it. <laughs> Can't wait. No yeah, one has the balls to do it. I want to see. I want to see a screenshot of this. No yeah. one trusts me. Offer me ten ETH, one of you big hitters for Danny Parejo, and I will reject it. That'll be a story. That's the content. That you, you can live stream that whole thing. I, I would yep. watch the heck out of that. Yeah, there we go. That's my one. I've either what you got, got Laird? One. Job, I don't think I have one. I think Job, I would happily sell anything. <laughs> like I just I've have. Got, I didn't buy these for sentimental reasons. Like I don't. I don't have anything that I haven't been successful enough where one card is like, like I, I, um, what is it? Oh, one of the cards that I won global all-star D4 in. Someone was like, Oh, you have to, you know, make that your, that make that team your uh, hall of fame. And like that special, you can never sell those cards. And I sold one of them like the next week and I had to update yeah. my hall. of fame. <laughs> Didn't care. I've got a bunch of these cards that fall into this category for me. I've got a Sven Coombs. Uh, They've all got penis in the name or like <laughs> sexual innuendos. That's exactly uh, what it is. Sven Coombs, <laughs> 69 Mint is a great card. That's um, a great Bruno, card, actually. Bruno Fux is a great card. Um, <laughs> plays for CSK. Um, but my Holy Grail card. This is my Holy Grail card. I have the 2020... Um, and, and in fact, if you go in my gallery, this is like the first one of the first cards that I ever bought. And it was because of uh, Jimmer was like, hey, man, if you're going to want to play so rare, you're going to have to buy one of these cards. that's actually pretty decent because I was buying a bunch of scum. And uh, so he's like, buy this, buy this Vinokin guy. He's pretty good. And I was like, all right. So I, I went out and I bought him for like a very little. So 21 dollars. euros. <laughs> 21 euros. And. But listen, it gets better. Um, that's a 2020 card. That's, that's a 20. And... <sighs> it's the Jersey Mint, which is 20. So 20, 20, 20 uh, Jersey Mint. Guess how many rewards I've won with this card? 20. Do I retire him? 100%. Yeah, you can. Or do you get him to level? No, 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 no. What you do is you get him to level 20. Oh, shit. Well, you just do you get him to level? Yeah. Get, train him. Just train him to level 20. It'll take you a while. That's the move. That's the move. Oh, God. And then you have to post him for 20 ETH. Or stick him into... Are you, are you talking about... When you say 20 rewards, you mean card rewards or, like, thresholds? 20 card rewards. I've won 20 card rewards. Start churning thresholds with him. But that, that you're playing that game of you need to shoot 250 and no more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Torture yourself. What you're you saying is... Literally, like... Yeah. The 250 game, yeah. That's playing with fire, though. I don't know. I don't know that I want to do that. You're, like, yeah. hoping for DNPs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that that, that that I'm missing on that card is he's 26 years old. If I would, if he'd be 20 years old, then, you know, it'd be the ultimate holy grail card. But 20s everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of special though, because I when I bought my Daniel Parejo rare, who's a who holds a special place in my heart, um, it just happened to be the the jersey mint. I didn't plan it; it just happened, kind of like your Vanekin, but not quite as exceptional. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those where it's like, I do you, I love that. Do you care about that? Like, do you go at it? Like you said that the Kamavinga one was basically by accident. Like you were like, oh, no, Kamavinga's the Kamavinga one wasn't accident. The Kamavinga one, yeah, it was accident that I was there at the right time. That's what I, mean, I would yeah. not, I wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't the jersey. Do you know? Right. Um. 
so like I do look at it. If I go to buy a card, it could be anyone. It could be someone completely uncollectible. And I look at the market. I look at the prices. I look at the number. I look at the XP. And I look at the price they're listed for. And then I'll always try and... I'll just make the judgment, you know. Just try and get... If you can get the jersey, great. If you can get a lower number, great. And if you can get more XP, great. And it's all just a balancing act of that versus who's selling and what they're willing to give you them for. I bought a Yari Versharen limited jersey mint the other day. Purely like... I. I didn't, I have a Versharen rare. I had no intention of buying a limited, but I happened to be in the auction because it was a t- any moment of the day because I was in there yeah. and Yari came up and I was like, oh, it's a Jersey Mint. And I bid and I was like, oh, let me see where the bid, like, I'm not going to overpay for a card I don't really want or need, but it was like, it was just being priced where the others were. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll bid on a a Yari jersey mint. Somebody will outbid me because they'll realize it. <laughs> no, and now I, have, and now no, I don't use it. <laughs> if anybody wants to overpay for it, I'm sure I would happily sell it. But no, lovely. Yeah, no, fair play. Um, I am dying for a pee. I've been drinking beers and it's been an hour and 20 minutes and I've moved. So I'm going <laughs> to run for a pee. I don't know if you're wrapping up if you're still talking. Well, well I was going to wrap up like 10 minutes ago. But John, thank you for coming on. Uh, this has been a story <laughs> podcast brought to you by, by Rotowire, sponsored by Sorare. John, that, that was a ton of fun. Thank you very much. We're definitely going to have to have you back on. But uh, do you want to? I'd love to. Before you run, do you want to uh, just plug where everybody can find you? I'll just. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to leave I'm, going, I'm not fucking leaving sorry I keep cursing I've really ruined your monetization uh, no look just a so far so rare podcast if you're in the podcast Apple Spotify I basically try and talk to someone smarter than me each week not necessarily smarter just more fun and uh, talk shout every week to someone different um, a few big guests lined up big guests lined up which is exciting a bit different for me and yeah, follow me there. I'm on YouTube if you're into that stuff and Twitter and whatever else. I'm doing a giveaway on Twitter at the minute, but I'm not. Everyone loves giveaways, don't they? I'm not going to plug that too much. But yeah, just thanks for having me on, guys. It's great. I listen every week. I won't listen this week, so I'm kind of gutted because I've been here. <laughs> so like, you've ruined my listening for next week. But here we are. Um, but yeah, genuinely, thank you so much. And I'm going to have to have you on one at a time on my podcast just to get more mileage out of it. There you go. There you go. Awesome. All right. Thank you, uh, Andy. I'll talk to you next week. If everybody has a topic you'd like us to cover, feel free to reach out to us um, wherever you do. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.